You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. God allows division to purge. Sometimes God allows division to purge. He takes people away, takes people out. For some reason, people who cause division, he'll take them out. God allows vision for purging. And after purging comes enormous growth. What happens to a rose tree? You want that bad boy to grow? What do you do? Cut it back, don't you? Sometimes, division is necessary to bring change into a toxic environment. Today, Pastor Dave will teach you why God allows division to purge. God wants us to be in unity with one another. It may hurt in the moment to have somebody step down from a leadership role, but restoring unity is key to a healthy church. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 10 as he continues his message, A Foolish Decision Leads to Division. need to give you some advice here. Those who go elsewhere until they get the answer they want, the one that agrees with them in their flesh, always sets you up for trouble. Always sets you up for trouble. So Rehoboam doesn't like what the elders does, so he turns to his peeps, turns to his buds, known each other since we grew up together. Surely they'll lead me the right way. Let's look at 9 through 11. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, lighten the yoke which your father put on us? Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him, saying, thus you should speak to the people who have spoken to you, saying, your father made our yoke heavy, but but you make it lighter on us? Thus you shall say to them, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. Hey, something everybody wants to hear. Something everybody wants to hear. He seeks counsel from his friends and their advice to put the hammer down. Put the hammer down. You'll get more out of them. Squeeze them. Put them in the wine press. We'll get that money out of them. We'll get that stuff out of them. Show a forceful hand. Come on, be tough after all. You're the king. You're the king. And that crown looks marvelous on you, darling. I don't know if they were looking to build themselves up, if they were looking for places in the um, administration. I have no idea. Maybe they were seeking a position. Careful who you seek counsel from. Be careful from whom you seek counsel Find someone you trust, find someone that you know is, has a godly person and will lead you in the right direction in God's word. The counsel should always be in God's word. Rehoboam rejects the elders, throws the elders out and said, I'm done with you guys. I'm going to take what the peeps say. I'm going with the guys. The guys will help me out. They got my back. 12 through 14. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day as the 
Kat directed, saying, come back to me the third day. Then the king answered them roughly. King Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders, and he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to it. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. Oof. Interesting. During this entire time, he never seeks the Lord. He never puts it before the Lord. He never puts it before the Lord. You know, there's some interesting things that his father wrote in Proverbs 15, in verses 1 and 2. says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of the fools pours out foolishness. I wonder if he ever read the things his father wrote. He obviously didn't father them. What motivated him? Pride. Pride. I'm king and you're not. I make decisions here. Pride. He wasn't humble. He was not motivated by gentleness, nor was he motivated by kindness. He needed all the stuff that his father had and more. He wanted more and more and more. And in verse 12, chapter 12 of uh, verse 18 of Proverbs says, There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promises health. As Rehoboam spoke, it pierced them like a sword. I'm going to get more out of you. I'm going to get more taxes out of you. Give me more. His words struck the Israelites hard. He made a stand. The people understood. He was not going to listen to them. His foolishness cost Israel greatly. Not only was the nation not going to listen to him, they rejected him as king. And they rejected the dynasty of his father that began that came from David. They were rejecting the Davidic covenant. They were rejecting David as king. But interesting enough, in verse 15, look at what it says in verse 15. So the king did not listen to the people, for the turn of the events was from whom? God. Turn of the events was from God, that the Lord might fulfill his word, which he had spoken by the hand of Ahijah, the Shimonite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nabat. God was now coming against Solomon, really. He was coming against all of Solomon's sins, all of the things that Solomon did against what God had told him back in chapter 7 when we read that, when we read back in chapter 7, all the things that God told him was going to happen. He even gave him the clue, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will heal from heaven and then I will hear their land. He didn't do that. He didn't follow the Lord. And he was in trouble now. God allowed this to come happen. And it's interesting how God allows these things to happen. We have a foolish leader, a, a, a foolish person not communing with the Lord. Things can happen and fall out front. Rehoboam was a fool. It's really another interesting thing that his father wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. His father writes about the, he actually wrote, worried about leaving everything he did to a foolish successor. It's almost like he was prophesying. Look what it says in chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. 
He says, then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun because I must leave it to a man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will rule over all my labor in which I toiled and which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This is also vanity. I don't think Rehoboam was a reader. (laughs) I don't think he did much reading of his father's writing. God managed this whole series of events. He didn't make Rehoboam make an unwise and sinful action. He didn't make him do that. He simply let Rehoboam alone and allowed him to make this critical error so that his sinful heart would want what it wants. Who's that sound familiar like? Give me an example of how that, who, from, who, who you can come, that what happened. Let me read that again. God simply let Rehoboam alone and allowed him to make the critical errors his sinful heart wanted to make. I'm thinking of one person in Scripture, early Scripture. Moses talked to him. Pharaoh. Everybody says, well, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God did not harden Pharaoh's heart. God hardened Pharaoh's choice. He hardened Pharaoh's choice. And this is what I see happening here. Hey, you want to make that decision? You make it. I like, I had a copy of what Spurgeon says here. Quote, notice also, dear friends, that God is in the events which are produced by sin and stupidity of men. This breaking up of the kingdom of Solomon into two parts was the result of Solomon's sin and Rehoboam's folly. Yet, God was in it. This thing is from me, says the Lord. God had nothing to do with the sin or the folly, but in some way which we can never explain, in a mysterious way, which we are to believe without hesitation, God was in it all. And we know God works all things together for good, right? We know that for those that are called according to his purpose, those that love him. We see the disastrous results of Rehoboam's folly in in verse 16, if we go back to our study. In verse 16, we see the disastrous results. Now, when all Israel saw the king did not listen to him, the people answered the king, saying, What shall we have? What share have we in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to their tents, O Israel. Now see to your own house, O David. So all of Israel departed to their tents. What it means by departing to their tents? The nation was divided. The nation was split. Ten tribes went to the north. Two tribes were left in the south. Benjamin and Judah were left in the south. This was the split. It wasn't going to end well. The the year was about 920 B.C. In the year 726, the the northern tribes are carried away by the Assyrians. We studied that. In 586 B.C., Benjamin and Judah are carried away to Babylon. We studied that. They're being written to now that the ones have come back. When we, see, when we studied the kings, the book of First and Second Kings, we found that out of 19 kings, eight of them did good and did right in the sight of the Lord. There were 11 bad ones who did evil in the sight of the Lord. In the north, not one king did right in the sight of the Lord in the north. The Jews were carried away into Babylon, but they later came back by Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah, and Zerubbabel. They rebuilt the temple that stood in Jesus' day, and it remained there until 70 AD when the Romans came and tore it down. And although Abijah prophesied by this the word of the Lord, 
Rehoboam made the foolish decision that led to the division. He made the foolish decision and the nation was pulled apart. But Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Then King Rehoboam sent Hadaram, who was in charge of revenue. But the children of Israel stoned him with stones and he died. Therefore, King Rehoboam mounted his chariots in haste to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Obviously, Rehoboam didn't take their threat seriously. So he gets his revenue man and he sends him up there. Hadaram will happen to be in charge of forced labor. The Israelites who were fighting against forced labor, they killed him. They got rid of him real fast. They took him out. They killed his messenger. Rehoboam saw this and he hightails it back to Jerusalem so he could be safe. As we go into chapter 11, which continues here, you see there were no breaks there. It says, now when, let's read through four. Now when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled from the house of Judah and Benjamin 180,000 chosen men who were warriors to fight against Israel, that he might restore the kingdom of Rehoboam. But the word of the Lord came to Shemamiah. The man of God saying, speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all Israel in Judah and in Benjamin, saying, thus says the Lord, you shall not go up to fight against your brethren. Let every man return to his house, for these things are from me. Therefore, they obeyed the words of the Lord and turned back from attacking Rehoboam. How about that? How about that? Once Israel heard that Jeroboam was back, they sent for him, crowned him king. Remember the ten tribes. Rehoboam sends this guy up there, and they kill him. So he gets 180,000 men in war, and they're ready to go back and kick butt. But God intervenes. I love that. He speaks to this man named Shemaiah, and he told Rehoboam not to go to war against his brothers. Instead, go back to their own houses because he did this thing. He was still in charge. And Rehoboam actually does the wise thing and obeys the word of the Lord. This is the only time we see any spirituality out of Rehoboam at all. One of the things the Lord wanted Solomon to do was to strive for unity. Strive for unity. Solomon reigned for 40 years. He had tremendous time of peace, a tremendous time of prosperity, but at the same time, as we mentioned, the nation crumbled from within spiritually. They had become morally corrupt. And this division was their punishment. This division became their punishment for their moral decay. Tell me if that doesn't sound like the United States today. The United States is clearly divided. You had 80 million some odd vote for one person and you had another 75 or so million vote for another person. If that's not a divided nation, I don't know what is. It's because of the moral decay. It's because the nation is in moral decay and they're looking for a leader. And I'm telling you right now, the leader that arises is not going to be the one we want. God turned them over basically to their retrobate mind. He turned them over. You want that? Have it. Isn't that what Paul says in Romans? God turned them over to their retrobate mind, gave them over. You want this so badly? Have at it. You know, sometimes we can pray for something so hard and want it so badly and God doesn't want it for it. He says, okay, here it comes. Have that baby. <laughs> and a couple of days later, they're going, oh, Lord, take this from me. 
but it accomplishes the purpose. Division accomplishes a purpose sometimes. Division accomplishes a purpose. It's interesting if you look at the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 47, it says, And the Lord added to the church daily those who would be saved. In Acts chapter 6, it says the Lord multiplied the church. What happened between Acts 2 and Acts 6? A husband and wife lied to the Holy Spirit. They were kicked out, right? A little bit of division there. A little bit of division. They lied. God got rid of them. They were taken out. The church was purged because of their lying. I love, after you read that in Acts 5 about Sapphira being carried out by the men who took her husband away, I think the next verse or two, don't hold me to this, but in the next several verses it says, and great fear came over the church. I guess so. (laughs) I guess so. A little bit of fear there. Sometimes God allows division to purge. Sometimes God allows division to purge. He takes people away. Takes people out. For some reason, people who cause division, he'll take them out. God allows vision for purging. And after purging comes enormous growth. What happens to a rose tree? You want that bad boy to grow? What do you do? Cut it back, don't you? You prune it back. Purge it. You prune it. And boof. Right? Yeah. God does that. God does that. Sometimes pruning hurts. I'm sure when you cut that rose book, it goes, ow. But you know how God feels about unity. Psalm 133, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard of Aaron, running down the edge of his garments like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion, and the Lord commanded the blessing life forevermore. Blessing of unity. The blessing that God gives for unity, for like-mindedness. God gives a blessing. Somebody please tell me what they were doing when the Holy Spirit fell upon them in Pentecost. They were praying in what? One accord. Unity. And look what happened. Look what happened. The Lord added constantly. 3,000 the first day. 5,000 a day after that. We're at it. But they were in unity. Every time you read the book of Acts, it says they were in one accord. And they all weren't stuck into some sort of Honda. They were like-minded. They were like-minded. Having the same goal. Together, in unity. Did not Jesus pray for that in John 17 before he went to the cross? Father, may they be one as you and I are one. May they be one as you and I are one. Unity and love, not quarreling, not backbiting, not bickering, not devouring one another. 
Unity that comes from seeking the Lord with your whole heart. Unity that comes from submitting to the Lord with your whole heart. For, for allowing the Holy Spirit to rule and reign in your life. For allowing the Holy Spirit to come into a church and not quench the Holy Spirit or ignore the Holy Spirit or deny the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit freedom to do what he needs to do. And sometimes the Spirit will come in with a chopping block and take... God has a very dim view of disunity. Extreme dim view of disunity. If you don't believe me, go back and ask Dathan. When Moses came down up the mountain with the Ten Commandments, Dathan and the gang were having a big party. They were worshiping a golden calf. There was an earthquake and Dathan went down, got swallowed up. God takes a dim view of division. A dim view of division. He didn't want this to happen, but he used it as punishment. Used it as punishment. And we studied through kings. We studied, we saw what happened in the kings. How it was horrible in the northern kingdom. How one king was worse than the next. How they were horrible. And how the, the southern kingdom of Judah didn't do much better. They struggled. They struggled. And how at the end Manasseh was so wicked, so cruel, that God had to do something there. He ends up taking the northern kingdom to Assyria, and he ends up taking the southern kingdom to Babylon. Seventy years. Seventy years. God hates disunity. Hates it. Breaks his heart. When a church splits, Jesus bleeds. He hates it. We need to show that love for one another. That love for one another. Let's finish up. I want to read the next section, and then we're done. So Rehoboam dwelt in Jerusalem and built cities for defense in Judah. He built Bethlehem. Interesting. Etam, Teoka, Beth, Sor, Sukkoth, Adalam, Gath, Mersha, Ziph, Adaram, Lachish, Asaka, Zorah, that house, and Hebron which are in Judah and Benjamin, fortified cities. And he fortified the strongholds and put captains in them and stores of food, oil, and wine. Also in every city, he put shields and spears and made them strong, having Judah and Benjamin on his side. What he did was he built a blockade. He took these cities and he built them around Judah. They were his shield. They were his protection because they, as you remember, when we studied kings, the two were constantly in fighting each other. The two were constantly raiding and doing this and raiding and doing that. Rehoboam will put priests and let them to move around. A lot of the priests who were in the northern kingdom came to Judah. They did come to Judah. We're going to find that out when we get to 13 next week. Now remember, we're going to deal mainly with the kings of Judah, we're going to deal mainly with the line of David. So you're going to, that's where we're at right now. And we'll, we'll move on through 12 and 13. We'll finish up 11 next week, 12, 13, etc. as we go through this incredible book of the history. And we read into more than the kings of Judah than we did when we studied kings. There's so much more intricacy in there. It's pretty cool. So, so Rehoboam made a foolish decision. God allowed it and solidified his decision and it caused the division of the nation. You are a sure. 
Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of 2 Chronicles. The book follows the kingship of Solomon all the way through until both Judah and Israel are taken over by other kingdoms surrounding them. There are many moments of great faith within these pages and also typical moments of falling away from where Israel had begun. But the moments of faith put a spotlight on God and His amazing ways of coming through for His people. No matter the situation, God is on the throne. He's more powerful than any opposing country or enemy that's coming against you. So take courage and believe God for big things today. If you're enjoying this series from Assure Hope, we invite you to check out more messages at assurehoperadio.com. Get to know more about Pastor Dave while you're there. You can also get a feel for the church behind this ministry, too. That church is Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. Please feel free to explore our website to get more information on service times and other useful information. If you're not in the area, why not find us on Facebook or YouTube? We live stream our services to both of these platforms. Find links to both of these on our website, assurehoperadio.com. If for any reason you'd like to email us, you're welcome to do that as well. Our email address is info at capewatchradio.com. Our time is up for now, but make sure you come back again for another edition with Pastor Dave, teaching through the book of Second Chronicles on a sure hope. Oh